Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alamin Wassalatu wassalamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursalin Abiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in Amma ba'd Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh Allahumma anfa'na bima alamtana Wa'allimna ma yanfa'una Wa'arzuqna ilman tanfa'una bih Amin ya Rabbil Alamin Rabbishrahli sadri wa yassirli amri Wahlul uqdatan min lisani Yafqahu qawli uh, we're continuing tonight with Bab Shurut of Salah. Tayyib, we've completed the first chapter which was Mawaqeet, the timings of Salah, and then the Adhan. We spoke about the Adhan, and now we are on to Shurut of Salah, which we started last week. Walhamdulillah. So, we've covered which Shurut so far? Tahara or Wudu. We covered Aura and we covered Sufi Qibla. Okay, so we've got three shurut of Salah so far. Uh, so our hadith, our first hadith for the evening is hadith from Amir ibn Rabi'ah radiallahu anhu. Qala that he said, Ra'aytu Rasulallahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yusalli ala rahilati haythu tawajjahad bih. Wittafakun alayhi. Zad al-Bukhari yumi'u bi-ra'sihi wa lam yakun yasna'uhu fil-maktubah. So the hadith continues on the issue of the Qibla where Amir ibn Rabi'ah, Amir, the hadith of Amir, this is the hadith of Amir. He says that he saw Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yusalli. He saw him making salah ala rahilatihi on his, his ride. On his animal. So this could have been either a camel or it could even have been a a donkey. But he says he was on his ride. So he was either on a camel or a donkey. Meaning, whichever direction this animal was facing, the Prophet would make salah in that direction. Understand? Whilst he was on top of his animal, Whilst the animal was riding, the Prophet made salah in that direction. Understand? Zad al-Bukhari, the hadith is between Bukhari and Muslim. The version in Bukhari adds, Yumi'u bi-ra'sihi, that he used to um, lean with his head or bow in a way with his head. When? In the ruku wa sujood. When he made rukur, he used, you know, basically lower his head like he's in rukur. And in sujood, the same. Right? So in this hadith, he doesn't mention how he did this. But in other hadith, Ibn Uthaymi rahimahullah, he says that it's, it becomes clear that when he made sujood, he would lower his head more than that when he would be in rukur. Understand? Because of course in salah, this is the same. If you are making salah normally, your ruku' is only to a certain level. Whereas the sujood is all the way down. So the same when he was in his ride, or on his ride, <coughs> and he made ruku', he would basically lower his head slightly. Right? Slightly. And when he made sujood, he would lower it <coughs> a little bit further. A little bit more or a little bit further. وَلَمْ يَكُنْ يَصْنَعُهُ فِي الْمَكْتُوبَةِ and he would not do this in the maktubah, in the obligatory prayer. In the fard salah, he did not do this. In the fard salah, he did not do this. Meaning, he did not pray on his ride. He did not pray when he was on his camel, on his, on his uh, donkey, when it was a fard salah. This was basically for a, a nafal salah. This was for a, a nafal salah. طيب, benefits of this hadith. Firstly, Ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah, he says, أَنَّ فِعْلَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى حُجَّةٌ That the action of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, is, an, is a proof. Whatever the Prophet did, this is an evidence. And this is of course known from the Sharia. Secondly, جَوَازُ الصَّلَاةِ عَلَى الرَّاحِلَةِ It's permissible to make salah on, on a rahila, which is the ride, which is your animal. It's permissible to do this because this is what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did. Right? Of course, he, did, he could not have done something which was haram. 
So this is of course um, permissible to do. So what do we get from this hadith? The issue of facing the qibla. This is why the hadith is of course in the chapter of Shurutu Salah. Because there's an issue here of facing the qibla. We've already established that facing the qibla is a condition. It's a, not just compulsory, it's a, a precondition. That before you start the salah, the conditions of salah have to be fulfilled before you start. Right? The wajibat is found within the salah. The arkan is found with, within the salah. The conditions of salah is when it has to be fulfilled before the salah starts. And istiqbal al-qibla, facing the qibla, we established is, an, is a shart. Is a condition of the salah. Here in this hadith, what do we learn? That when he made the nafal salah on his ride, there was times when he did not face the qibla. There was times when he did not face the qibla. So the asal is that we face the qibla. If it's possible that you're on your ride and you face the qibla, you should do that. If it's possible that you are on a journey, that you're on a ride, any ride, and you can face the qibla, then you must do that. Then you must do that. This is only now permissible when this is not possible. When it's impossible for you basically to, to face the Qibla. So if we think of an example, um, if you're in a car, I'd say it's basically impossible unless you're driving towards the Qibla. But how are you going to change direction in a car? Not possible, right? If you're on a ship, to be possible, if you can find the direction of the Qibla, or at least do your efforts to try and work out the direction, you should do that. You can ask someone the direction, you should do that. And then you face the Qibla on the ship. So you cannot take this hadith and say, no, the Prophet when he was on a journey, when he was on his camel, he didn't face the Qibla. But this is, your condition is different. Understand? You are able to face the Qibla, you must face the Qibla. The same with a, with a plane, which is obviously more common than that of a ship. Most of us don't travel by ship. When we're on a plane, and it's a long journey through the waqt, right? Your journey of salah on, on, this, on this plane, right, is through the waqt. What then? You have to make salah within the waqt, right? We have to make salah within the waqt. So how do we do the salah? Firstly, if you can stand, you should stand. This is also another issue. Standing in salah is a part of the salah. Right? وَقُومُوا لِلَّهِ قَانِتِينَ Allah says you must stand for the sake of Allah. قَانِتِينَ So that's one issue which we'll speak about perhaps when we get there. The other issue is facing the Qibla. Is this possible when you're on the plane or not? Right? I would say it depends. How do you face the Qibla if you're sitting in your seat? not possible right it's not entirely possible it's not uh, it's not something as simple to do there's a lot of difficulty that might be involved unless you're on a certain type of plane for example emirates. huh emirates, emirates i know saudi eh, for sure i don't know about emirates, emirates well, they allow you to make salah right? uh, salah but that's you see, Saudi has a specific salah area. On the, on the plane, they have a salah room. That's only used for salah. Saudi has a spot on the, on the, on the aeroplane that's only used for, for salah. It's not used for anything else. In that case, if you are able to go there and pray, you should pray. And they show you the Qibla as well. There's a screen in front of you that tells you the direction of the, of the Qibla. So you have to do that. In that case. So there's no excuse to sit in your seat and make salah on a Saudi air flight. Unless the whole flight has turbulence. And they tell you you can't get up. Then that's something different. On a different airline, there may not be a salah room. Most likely there's no salah room. So in that case, it's not easy for you just to go stand at the back. So let's say on Emirates, they allow you to stand at the back. They allow you to, okay sir, you can stand here and pray. You know? For the fard salah, we say you should do that. You should go there and pray. But for a nafal salah, 
Do you go there and say, hey ma'am, can I just make two rakaat? Can I just make some nafal salah? You are inconveniencing people. You understand? And we're going to get to this issue soon. You are inconveniencing, inconveniencing people. So I would say this is not recommended. Because um, it's not a place for salah actually. It's a walkway. It's a place where people need to move up and down. You understand? So in that case, if you're on the plane and there's no other way, you can make salah in your seat. In whichever direction the plane is flying. In whichever direction the, the plane is heading and Allah knows best. So, what about the driver of the car? Let's say we're in a, in a car, we on a journey. Should the driver be salah? Right? If it's possible for him, then we say yes. But otherwise, if it's a problem in terms of Safety. Then you should not be making salah. Right? It could be a problem in terms of safety. In that case, if it's going to be a problem, don't make salah. Also, if you are making salah, but your entire focus is where? On the road. Is this recommended? Perhaps it's not recommended for him to make salah. If he wants to make dhikr, recite Quran or something, listen to a lecture, this is also ibadah. He can make dhikr. La ilaha illallah, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, wa la ilaha illallah, Allahu akbar. Various types, so many adhkar. This is something good. You understand? Doesn't necessarily have to make salah. Because where is his focus? It's on the road. So and what does the hadith say? The hadith says there's no salah bihadrati ta'amin. There's no salah when? It should be no salah when the meal is being served. Wa la huwa yudafi'uhul. No, when he is struggling with the two evils, which, which in this case is actually the, the call to nature. You need to use the toilet, you need to relieve yourself. The hadith is basically saying, you should not make salah in that state. Nor should you make salah when the food has been served. Why? Because your focus is not on the salah there. You are hungry, where is the focus? It's on the food. So not even being served on the table, now you make a salah. Not going to make salah properly. You need to use the bathroom. You are not going to be able to focus. You're going to rush through, you're going to get them. This is not the way salah is supposed to be done. So in the same context, Ibn Uthaymin is saying, if you are the driver and the road is your distraction, you should not be making salah. Right? Unless you are able to focus and so forth and it's safe and it's permissible um, and Allah knows best. <coughs> Right? If it's, if it's possible for a person to make sujood and ruku, then he should do that. Like I said, if you're on the airlines and you're on a, on a boat and so forth, he should do that. Otherwise, it's okay just to, just to lean with the head. Just to lower the head slightly. This is acceptable and Allah knows best. Another benefit from this hadith is, This is not permissible in the obligatory prayer. This is not permissible in the obligatory prayer. Why? The Prophet ﷺ did not do it. He only did this for the nawafil. Understand? He only did this for the nawafil. And we know the asal is you must face the qibla. So we need a proof to say that we don't have to face the qibla. We need an evidence to say that you don't have to face the, the qibla. In this case, yes? We talk about the sunnah, not far. Both. Both, right? But what we find the Prophet basically allowed was if it's a sunnah, nafal salah. That's a voluntary salah. When he would be on travel, when he was on his animal, whichever direction animal was facing any, on, on the journey, he would make salah. You understand? But he did not do this for the, for the fard salah. Meaning he would stop and he would get off and face the qibla and make the fard salah. Are you with me? So, the point here is, the Prophet allowed and he did this for the sunnah only. For somebody to claim it's okay for the fard, this requires an evidence. Because you are now moving away from the general rule, which is that you must face the Qibla. So you cannot go on a trip, let's say you jump in the car and you drive off to Johannesburg. Right? It's a 10, 12, 15, 20 minute, 20 hour journey depending how you drive. Okay? You're going to drive through the waqts of salah. You cannot be on the road and say, well, I'm making salah as I'm driving. 
I'm now making Maghrib as I'm driving. You understand? Because it is more than possible for you to stop, pull over, make the salah, get back in and go. Or you make jam. You understand? You can, this is a big time period for you. From Maghrib till midnight. Right for Isha and Maghrib. So in that period you need to stop over somewhere, make the salah properly, face the qibla, jump back in the car and you move. Understand? Because this is what you have to do for the fard. You have to face the qibla for the fard. You have to face the qibla for the fard. Unless it's impossible. Unless it is impossible. For example, you're on a plane. There's no way to stand to make salah. The only way you can make salah is in your seat. The only way you can make salah is in your seat. There's no way to stand in the plane. Then this becomes permissible. Okay? Another example Ibn Uthaymin gives is, you on an animal, for example, and it's pouring with rain. It's pouring with rain, right? You are unable to basically get off the animal because the roads are flooded. In this case, you make salah, the fard salah, on the animal, right? This is an, an excuse. Another example Ibn Uthaymin gives is, on Arafah. He says sometimes on Arafah, People are stuck in their cars or in the bus, right? And the bus stands still. It stands still or it gets stuck in traffic. You are basically moving very slowly through the traffic, you know? And you might miss the waqt. So you make salah in the bus. You understand? But again, this is only permissible if you know that it's impossible for you to get off. Make salah and get back on. If it's impossible, then this, this applies. If it's not possible, yani then you have to get off. And you have to stand, make salah properly, and then get back on the bus. We understand? If it's a time of necessity, and there's no way that you can face the Qibla, truly no way, then you allow not to face the Qibla for Fard or Sunnah. But for Sunnah, if it's Nafil, then if you're on a journey, if you're on your ride, you can make salah like this. Only for the Nafal Salah. Understand? For the Fard Salah, this is not allowed. This is not allowed. Why? What's the difference? Technically, there's no difference with the Salah. It must be done the same way. Fard and Sunnah are the same rules. Right? But the Hikmah here is that Allah basically wants to give you, wants to give us a, a reason not to miss the Sunnah, not to miss, not to not and not to neglect Sunnah Salahs. Because a person who's on a journey, he's not going to make the Sunnah, am I right? Even just a normal Nafal. A normal Nafal Salah during the day. He's not going to make the Nafal Salah. The person only makes the Fard, and that's it. So this is a, a rule that's given, like a concession, that even if you're on the journey, even if you're driving, even if you're on the road, you can make the Sunnah facing any direction, it's okay. You can be seated in your, in your ride, and it's okay. This is the Hikmah. But the fard is different here. Yeah, the fard is more important. The fard, no, you have to make special time for the fard. Stop, make time for the fard and pray the fard. And then you carry on. But for the sunnah, for the nafal salah, you are allowed that concession. As a traveler, a person, a person on, on a journey, and so forth. Understand? Um, another benefit from this hadith is, An-nafal mashru'u fi safar. That nafal salah is actually part of travel. Nafal salah is, it's legislated for, for traveling as well. Right? So the ulama here, Ibn Uthaymin says they do differ. But he says what is the correct view is that all of the nafal salah that we have is permissible and is legislated whilst on travel. Except for the ratiba of zuhr, the ratiba of maghrib, and the ratiba of Isha. Now we should know what ratiba means by now. Right? I've mentioned this a few times. Ratiba is the is the sunnah salahs that are attached to the, the fard. Those specific sunnahs that are attached to the fard. Twelve of them through the day. If you make them, you get a house in Jannah. So on travel, the Prophet sallallahu would not make these ratiba. The ratiba of Zuhr, Maghrib and Isha. Asr has no ratiba. In the first place. 
So we know for Dhuhr there is six. Four before and two after. Maghrib has two after and Isha has two after. Right? That's ten altogether. Which means there's only one ratiba that he would continuously make. Which is the two for Fajr. Which is the two for Fajr. So this is a sunnah that he never neglected. Whether he was in travel or whether he was at home and resident. He would always make the two before Fajr. Also, he would never neglect Witr. Witr he would never neglect. Right? Those are two of the most important sunnah sarahs of the day. Two before Fajr and the Witr at the end of the night. Tayyip. As for the other nawafil, voluntary sarahs that we have, like Salat al-Duha, the morning prayer, right, that we make after the sun has risen, up until Zawal, we have a Duha period, that we make Salah, which is a very virtuous Salah, right, this is legislated, it's more than permissible, it's still recommended as a traveler to make Salat al-Duha, other Salahs like Salat al-Maghrib, Salat al-Layl, Maghrib, what did I say? Other salahs like Salatul Layl, Sutahajjud, Qiyamul Layl is still legislated during travel. And Salatul Kusuf, like the, when there's an eclipse. Or Istikhara, if you need to make Istikhara, it's legislated on travel. Right? The only sunnahs that the Prophet would leave out was those before Zuhr and after Zuhr, those before and after Maghrib and Isha. Understand? You would make jump basically between those salahs, Dhuhr and Asr, Maghrib and Isha. So there was no sunnahs involved over there through the day basically. But Fajr, he made the sunnah. Witr at the end of the night, he made the sunnah. And at times, Duha as well. Okay? So these are something that we should try and incorporate. <coughs> Not to neglect the sunnah completely when we travel. We only make jump salah, fart, and sit, finish. Try and at least make the Witr at the end. Try and make sure before Fajr, you make the sunnah as well of Fajr. خَيْرٌ مِنَ الدُّنْيَا وَمَا فِيهَا The hadith says that two before Fajr is better than this whole world and whatever it contains. That's the two just before Fajr, the virtue that it has and Allah knows best. Um, the next hadith is narrated by Abu Dawood from the hadith of Anas radiallahu anhu which says كَانَ إِذَا سَافَرَ فَأَرَادَ أَنْ يَتَطَوَّعَ إِسْتَقْبَلَ بِنَاقَتِهِ الْقِبْلَةَ فَكَبَّرَ ثُمَّ صَلَّى حِيثُ كَانَ وَجْهُ رِكَابِهِ Hassan. It says when he traveled and he wanted to make tatawur salah, salatul tatawur, which means the sunnah salahs, voluntary salahs. <coughs> Another word in Arabic is tatawur, voluntary actions. When he wanted to make salatul tatawur, istakbala binaqatihi al-qiblata fakabbara. He turned his camel towards the qibla and then he made the takbir so when he wanted to make sunnah <coughs> what did he do he turned his camel in the direction of the qibla then he made the takbir allahu akbar and as the camel walked he would just continue making salah whichever direction direction the camel ended up facing so what does this hadith add this hadith basically tells us that he would firstly face the Qibla, say Allahu Akbar, then whichever direction the camel would end up facing, he would face. So there's a slight difference from this hadith to the previous hadith. The previous hadith doesn't mention the issue of facing the Qibla firstly, then saying Allahu Akbar, and then facing any direction. The previous hadith just said, he prayed on his, on his ride, whichever direction he faced. Right, so there's a slight addition from this hadith over here. <coughs> Now, um, the issue then comes, which comes up here is, does this mean that we have to do this? Face the Qibla first and then continue? Or is this something that was just recommended? This is where the ulama differed. So some ulama said, no, it must be done like this. The Prophet did it like that. Other ulama say, no, this is difficult. How are you going to firstly face the Qibla and then carry on? There's a lot of hardship involved. And the whole point over this ruling, which says you can face any direction, is out of ease. The whole point is to make things easy for the traveler. To say that he must now face the Qibla, how do you face the Qibla if you're in a car? Then carry on driving. It's not possible, right? So they said, no, 
This is not possible, and this is not what's meant by the hadith. Rather, if it's possible, then it's okay. If not possible, you don't need to face the qibla at all. So we say this is something that is mustahab. If it's possible to do it, you should do it. It's recommended. If it's not possible, you should not worry. You continue with the salah in your right, whichever direction that it is facing, and Allah knows best. Um, the next hadith from Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu anhu, from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Al-ardu kulluha masjidun illa al-maqbarata wal-hammam. We are now done with the issue of facing the Qibla. The next issue comes up. The hadith says, Al-ardu kulluha masjid. The entire earth is a masjid. The entire earth is a masjid. Except for the maqbara, the graveyard, wal-hammam, the bathrooms. Except for the... Yes. Yes, it's a bathroom, it's a washroom. Okay. Rawahu tijmidi walahu illatun. Which basically means the hadith is not sahih. The hadith is not entirely sahih. Although other ulama said it is acceptable. Tayyib. First issue is the entire earth is a, a masjid. Right? Now this is similar to another hadith which we discussed previously which me, which, which says جُعِلَتْ لِيَ الْأَرْضُ مَسْجِدًا وَطَهُورًا Right? That the earth has been made for me a masjid and been made pure for me. Right? This comes from a hadith that we discussed which says that certain things was given to me that was not given to others. To the Prophet And of that was the entire earth was made pure and a masjid for me. So for my ummah, the entire earth is what? A masjid and it's pure. Yeah, and it's clean, you can make salah. Wherever you find yourself, make salah, it's clean and pure. Unless you know there's some najis there. Right? There's something different. But otherwise, the asl is, it's clean. So this is the same thing what this hadith says. Al-ardu kulluha masjid. The entire earth is, is a masjid. And this is now general, all-inclusive. The entire earth. Illa, now comes the exceptions. Illa means except. The exceptions now come. Al-maqbarata wal-hammama. Except for the, the maqbara. What is a maqbara? Graveyard, right? We know what a maqbara is. It's a graveyard. The places where you find qubur, graves, right? Um, what's the wisdom in this? To prevent shirk, to prevent uh, grave worship from taking place. So, again, we've discussed this many, many times in Kitabu Tawheed and other books. The issue here is Saddu Dhari'a. The Sharia and the Prophet was very, very strict. And they took the means by cutting off the means to any haram. They made sure that not just what we didn't just make things haram, whatever leads to the haram is also haram. They took, yani they took, they, 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 they cut off the means to shirk from so many angles. So this is one example. Initially in the early days of Islam, visiting qubours was haram. Visiting graves, not permissible. Huh? What does the hadith say? Kuntu nahaytukum an ziyaratil qubur. The Prophet said to the Sahaba, I used to prohibit you from visiting graves. I used to prohibit you. Used to be haram. But now, I permit you, fazuruha, so go and visit them. After the tawheed was established, after the iman was established, now you can go and visit graves once again. Understand? But, here's another hadith. You're not allowed to make salah in the maqbara. Why? It's possible when you are making salah in the maqbara, you see a grave of a righteous person, of an important person, of a salih person, of one of the Sahaba, whoever it may be, a great Imam al Sunnah. And what happens? You become inclined to this person. You have great love for this person, great respect for this person. Huh? And all of a sudden, you're inclined to make salah at his qabr, next to his qabr. And the next thing you know, you are facing the qabr. And the next thing you know, you are worshipping him. This is possible and this happens. 
It's not something that's far-fetched. We can see this happening already. You'll find this on the Shia, you'll find this on the Sufis. They worship graves. It's known. Right? It's, it's known. So, the means has been taken by the Prophet for this reason. Not permissible to make it a maqbara. It's got nothing to do in this case with najasa. Because it's technically nothing najis in the, in the maqbara. The graves are pure and clean. The earth is no, it's clean. Why was it made haram? For the tawheedi aspect. To keep shirk away from the ummah. This is why to make salah in a maqbara is haram. Understand? Um, so here Ibn Uthaymin says it, it doesn't make a difference. Based on this hadith, whether the quburs are in front of you or behind you, or on your sides, it doesn't make a difference. As long as you are in a maqbara, it's haram to make salah. As long as you are inside of a maqbara, it's considered a maqbara, it's considered a grave site, a graveyard, then it's haram to make salah there. Understand? Even if there's only one qabr, it's haram to make salah there. Understand? An example, many graveyards we have, that's clear examples. Another example would be, Makasa, what do you mean by Makasa? <coughs> a kramat. In our terms, we call it a kramat, i.e. a shrine. A shrine is a small building with a grave inside. That would be considered as a, a grave site, a maqbara. Habibia is a maqbara. So no, 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 not the masjid. The masjid is separate from the, from the, from the, 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 the shrine, right? So the shrine is a maqbara. The masjid is a masjid. Understand? So in this case, we say, to make salah in the masjid is fine. To make salah in the maqbara, in the kramat, in the shrine, is haram. Sorry? All of the kramats have been made places of worship. All go into any kramat. There's no tiles in there, there's mats, there's carpets, there's musallas in there. You understand? And. Sorry? Same. what? Maqam. What's a maqam? Like they say, um, most probably Paridia. They're not too sure. Like, for example, in Palestine, they say, that's the maqam of Nabi Musa. This is the maqam of Nabi Ibrahim. But it's not guaranteed that they are buried there. Okay. It's a gravesite. It's haram to make saradi. Understand? Irrespective of who's buried there. Irrespective of who is buried there, it's haram to make salah there. You understand? Irrespective of the amount of graves, if it's one or a hundred, if it's a grave site, it's haram to make salah there. If it's considered a grave site, that's what this place is. People go there for what? To visit the grave. It's a grave site. Understand? In that case, it's haram to make salah there. Understand this? Um, so the same issue with Ibn Uthaymin says building a masjid around a grave and this is where Kramat comes in they build even if it's not considered a masjid it's the same thing they build a, a structure over the grave and it becomes a site where people come <coughs> to visit right back and forth this is also considered as a, as a maqbara. It's also considered as a maqbara, whether people make salah five times a day or not. It was built over the, over the grave, or around the grave. So in any case, we say, haram to make salah, your salah is not accepted. Your salah is not accepted, and it will have to be repeated. Right? Then Ibn Uthaymi says, if somebody is buried inside of a masjid, so you got a masjid, and then they put the grave inside the masjid. Huh? This is now slightly different. It's not a masjid built around the grave, it's a grave put inside of a, inside the masjid. So, the, so basically the masjid was there first, and then the, the, 
the grave was put in. You understand? Uh, this first is haram. To put the grave there is haram. Because it can lead to shirk. Secondly, he says the salah in this case would be uh, accepted on condition you are not facing the cover. On condition you are not facing the cover. Right? I would say avoid completely. If there's any masjid that you know has a cover inside of it, stay away from that masjid. Stay away from the masjid because number one, which was there first, you don't know. Number two, why did they put the cover in there? What is the aqidah of these people? It's more than likely this is a group of grave worshippers. This is why the cover is in the masjid. And it makes it easy for them to go and worship the grave. You understand? Um, and I don't know if I mentioned this before, but about two, two, maybe two, three years ago, I was in Durban, and there was a big masjid nearby to where I stayed. And I mean, I could see from the outside that there's a Basically a hardcore Sufi masjid. So I never made salah there. But after Jumu'ah, I went to the masjid. After the salah, I went to the masjid to go look. To go see what's happening. And this is where I saw a qabr inside the masjid. A proper shrine inside the masjid. And after Jumu'ah, what the musallis do is, they come to the shrine after the Jumu'ah, they stand around the shrine, and they sing some poetry. And then they each one make dua around the shrine. Some of them put their heads on the shrine. They stand in a line to do this. So as they get to the shrine, they, you know, like they bow down. I'm not saying it's a rukus or jude, but they, they lower themselves, put their head on the shrine, and basically make du'adi. You understand? Clear cut. If not shirk, at least it's a major bid'ah that's leading directly to shirk. You understand? It's a bid'ah that leads to shirk. That's the least that we can say. But we are pretty sure that they were committing shirk as well. You understand? And this is why the qabr is in the masjid in the first place. Hence, this is not a place to be making salah at all. Um, at all. Right? So, if you are not, if it was put into the masjid, that's something different. But I would still say, to protect your iman, you stay away from any masjid that you know contains a, contains a qabr. Right? As for the hammam, which is a bathroom or a washroom, then basically this is not a place that's befitting for salah. It's not a place that's befitting for salah and for this reason it's not permissible to make salah in it. Uh, benefits of the hadith, the entire earth is a masjid permissible to make salah, right? And what has been excluded here is the maqbara and the, the hammam, right? The maqbara and the hammam. So anywhere else from so far is Permissible to make salah. Whether you're on the roof, whether you're on the carpet, whether you're on the sand or the earth, wherever you are on the beach or on the grass, it's permissible to make salah. Right? Um, secondly, maqbara lays at mahal in salah. The maqbara is not a place for salah. If you make salah, is your salah accepted? It's not accepted. Right? It's not accepted. Your salah is batil and you have to repeat that salah elsewhere. Right? The ex- exception here is which salah? Is a salah that's excluded from this? Hmm? Fard. Which salah is excluded from this? From the ruling of making salah in the maqbara? Janazah. Right? Salah to janazah is permissible to make salah inside of a maqbara. Why is this? No ruku, no sujood. No ruku, no sujood. You understand? And the Prophet would of course stand in front of the mayyit when he makes janazah salah. You understand? But there's no ruku and no sujood. No ruku and no sujood. So this is something different to the rest of the salahs. I mean, different to the rest of the salahs. So now we take an example. In Cape Town, we got Constantia, Maqbara, with a masjid inside it. Huh? On top of the Maqbara, there's a small mosque. Am I right? Janazas come in there, make the janazah salah, no problem. No problem. And from there they take it and they bury the, the mayit immediately. Right? Any other salah in that masjid would be impermissible. Why? It's inside of the maqbara. Well, what if you didn't know? If you didn't know, you didn't know. Right? 
once you know you are not allowed to make tahiyatul masjid you are not allowed to make eid or jumu'ah or fard or dhur or sunnah or anything it's inside of the inside of the maqbara it's not yani it's not cordoned off it's not cordoned off just outside the window you will see the the kuburs right in front of you you understand so this is inside of the maqbara we say about this don't make salah unless you're making janaza salah that's it unless you're making janaza salah otherwise it's not permissible to make any other salah in that masjid if they build something to separate the masjid from the maqbara then we say it's permissible but that masjid is not separated it's literally part of the maqbara you understand it's part of the maqbara there's no like i said if you look outside the window you see the couple right in front of you if there was a small road or a a, 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 a wall to basically cordon off the masjid from the maqbara area then that's fine but this is not cordoned off at all if you take habibia right you've got the masjid then a road then a wall that around the kramat and then the kramat are you with me hence we say it's not part of the masjid it's clearly separated from the the masjid you understand <coughs> so that we say it's permissible to make in the masjid on that terms i still would not say to make saladi because of the aqidah of the of the people that's another different issue the aqidah of the imams there is something else I understand it's about the Sufis, hardcore Sufis that promotes these grave worshipping and these type of things. So to make Salahi, I still don't promote that. But the issue of the Qabr is a different issue. We say that doesn't actually affect the Salah. So let's say you ended up making Salahi by yourself. Inshallah your Salah is accepted, no problem, and Allah knows best. Um, so we spoke about the hammam we said it's just basically not a place where it's respectable for you to stand in front of Allah and make salah right if a hammam is permissible then even more so a toilet and those type of places is not permissible to make salah so we've got three places a maqbara a bathroom a washroom or a toilet there's a three places without a doubt which is Haram to make salah. What's the condition here? What's the sharta salah here? We are speaking now about the, the area. The place that you make salah has to be clean and pure. And also it has to be a, clean, a place where it's permissible to make salah. So it does not include the maqbara, nor a washroom or a toilet. Okay? The next hadith from Ibn Umar radiallahu anhumah he said, He said, The Prophet forbade making salah in seven places. There are seven places according to this hadith where it is haram to make salah. Firstly, is Al Mazbalati. Al Mazbala. What is a Mazbala? It's basically a place where you. Um, where you, where you dump your litter, a garbage dump. A mazbala is a place where you, where you dump your, your dirt and your litter. Dirt site, or a, a, a garbage site, or a garbage dump. This is a, a mazbala. Okay? First point here is actually the hadith is weak. The hadith is, the hadith is weak. Okay? Which means it cannot be used as, as an evidence. Okay, so keep that in mind. Now, the mazbala issue. Why is this? Again, it's not purity. If it's a garbage site, it's more likely there's going to be something dirty, something najis. Um, and out of respect for Allah, that's not a place for salah. It's not a place where you dump all your dirt and you go make salah. You understand? This is not befitting. In fact, what does the hadith say? There's a hadith that prohibits us from spitting in the salah prohibits us from spitting in front of us in salah is yani, unless you really now need to that's something different then you should spit to the to the left 
You understand? Um, because of the because of the, the virtue of salah. Also, the Prophet ﷺ, he saw some mucus on the wall one day in, in front of the masjid, in the front of the masjid. And he immediately went and he, he cleaned the wall, he scraped it off out of respect for the place of salah. You understand? If that is not befitting, some mucus, meaning somebody might have spat there, or somebody might have sneezed, or whatever the case may be, the Prophet ﷺ saw it and immediately he, he cleaned it off. Because why? Because this is not befitting for us musalla area, a place of salah. What about the garbage site? Are you with me? That should be even more so that it's not befitting for a place of salah. So this is why we say it's not permissible. Some ulama say it is permissible because the hadith is weak. So this doesn't count. The hadith, it's permissible to make salah there as long as you know there's no najis. As long as you know there is no najis, because the whole earth is a, a masjid. Remember, the whole earth is, earth is a masjid. So technically, it's permissible to make salari. On condition, you know that there is no, no najis on the area. So those are two opinions, right? The first group will say, it's not befitting. Uh, will they accept the hadith? Second group says, hadith is weak, so we can't accept it. Right? I would say, even if the hadith is weak, it makes sense that we don't make salah Because it's not befitting. It's not out of our respect for Allah Azza wa Jal. We don't go to a, I mean, how big is the dunya? You know? If that's the only, if you're locked up in a garbage site, that's one thing. But to choose to make salah you know, maya bari. So secondly, we got the, we got firstly the masbada, secondly we got the Majzara. The Majzara. What is a Majzara? It's a slaughtering area where people slaughter animals. Right? You go there to slaughter your sheep or your chickens or whatever the case may be. Right? Um, this is what the second issue which the hadith is not permissible to make salah in a Majzara. Why? What's the wisdom in this? It's not a clean place again. It's not a place you want to sit. You wouldn't want to relax at those, that type of place. What about making saladi? Secondly, the flowing blood. What's the ruling on flowing blood? Najis. Daman masfuhan. The Quran speaks about daman masfuhan. It's flowing blood. So as you slaughter the animal, that blood that pours out is najis. That blood that pours out is, is najis. That which is the slaughtering area. You understand? So in this area over here, we say it should be avoided. It's not a place again. It's not a respectable place where you want to be making salah in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Understand? So this is the wisdom in this. That is probably going to be Najis there and so forth. Um, thirdly, the hadith mentions a maqbara, which we spoke about. Right? We spoke about the maqbara already. Fourthly, the hadith says, Qari'atu tariq Qari'atu tariq is not permissible when you make salah. What is Qari'atu tariq It's a commonly used road. A commonly used road. It's a pathway where people are always walking up and down or driving up and down. So it's a busy road. It's a busy pathway. You understand? So this does not include the a road which is dead, which people barely use, rarely use. Talking about a, a busy road, a street that's generally you find cars up and down, people walking up and down in this pathway. Understand? Um, so, a, a road that's deserted, not included in the hadith, right? That's meaning it's permissible fine to make salari. On a busy road, not permissible, right? According to the hadith. Again, let's say for argument, the hadith is weak. The hadith is weak so we say it's permissible to make salah because you need proof to say it's haram right but would you make salah no you wouldn't why number one it could be dangerous for your own life and safety you're on a road cars coming up and down huh it doesn't make sense secondly you are then going to be a disturbance to others 
Used to any make so a lot of people are walking up and down, people are driving up and down. You know? I'll never forget this one incident in the Haram. We were walking out of the Makkah, I think it's after Jumu'ah, and it was extremely full. And as we were walking, you know, it's it's on the, you know, in the Haram is, Makkah especially is always acid and bustle, very full. But there's still pathways. You know, there's still pathways to follow. So, in Jumu'ah, most of the pathways are often full. Because there's just no space inside. Right? So after the Jumu'ah was done, we made the Fard Salah, we made Sunnah Salahs, and we got up and we now started to walk out. And as you get just in front of the, the you know, the big doorway, about to go down the escalators, this is a, obviously a path area. People are rushing forth and back, back and forth. This is, and in the middle of this is an old man making Salah. You know, what happens? I mean, you're coming on and you don't see him because you, all you see in front of you is people. And as you come to him, you've got to stop dead. Next person knocks behind you, next person knocks behind him. You've got to turn and go around him. And this one person making salah is a huge problem. One person in front of a massive crowd walking up and down, he's making salah, sunnah salah. You understand? And I, I just, this, I always remember, this probably happens often, but I always remember this because I was with a South African guy and he told me, Sheikh, what do you think about this? Is this okay? And I said, no, that's not okay, this guy is crazy. You know, he clearly doesn't have an apple. That's why he's, he's jahil. You know, he just thought, oh, make salah in the haram. But he's, he hasn't thought about his surroundings. So he said to me, Sheikh, is this fine? I said to him, no, this is not fine. This is stupidity, you know. You're going to cause your own harm. You know, somebody's going to walk and the next person's going to fall over him and fall on top of you. And it can cause a massive stampede because of that stupidity. You know, with all due respect to the old man, it's stupidity. You understand? You can Yes. Catching up. Gone. Yeah. So in that case, you need to break your salah and move. You know? Look, it's not a fard. The fard of Jumu'ah is done. You understand? But even then, you should move. You know? The space in front of you, you in the, in the, in the, in the way, you should take a step forward. Get out of the way. You understand? You can't stand in the middle of the... I'm talking about in, in the middle of the path. You got a hundred thousand people walking this way, another hundred thousand going past you from the left, and you standing like, how do you even focus in the salah? It's the other issue. How do you even focus? You got people literally tramping all over you, literally knocking you from this side, knocking from that side, because you're in the middle of the path. You understand? So this is an example of qari'atul tariq. This is an example of you are in the pathway, and it's a busy pathway. It's not safe for you, it's not safe for others. That you make salah there. So this also makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense that it's not allowed to make salah there. You understand? Perhaps we can still argue salah is accepted. Because the hadith is not authentic. But we can definitely take a lesson from this and say, you should not be making salah there. Because it's, it, it, it's not just to your inconvenience, it's to your inconvenience to everybody around you. You know? Everybody around you is now inconvenienced. So, to be honest, if somebody picked that man up and moved him, that would have been a good deed. Somebody picked that person up in his salah and moved him, I, th- I think that would have been a good deed. Because that's closer to safety. You know, that would have been, uh, uh, that could have saved people. Because that's how stampede start. That's how all those problems in the haram start. People don't use their heads. They do silly things. They don't realize what they are doing. You understand? And they cause a huge, people can die because of that. It's, it's, it's a reality. That's how the stampedes happen. You know, it takes one person to go against the trend. It takes the crowd walking this way. One person decides, I'm going to walk the other way. I need something. I lost something. I'm going back. And he goes against the crowd. And he pushes, pushes, pushes. All he needs to do is trip. Or somebody else needs to trip. And what happens? Everybody trips. And who's at the bottom? That person at the bottom doesn't come up. You understand? 
So it's very, very serious actually, this issue of, uh, uh, you know, following protocol. Uh, it's, it's a major issue, especially in a crowded area, you know. So anyways, uh, Ibn Uthaymin now mentions the Hujjaj and the Mu'tamirin. He says some of them, they make salah in these roads, in the paths. When they're not supposed to make salah. Are you supposed to respect them? He asked, the question is, should you respect? Remember, a person makes salah, you respect. First, you try not to make a noise around them. You know, the Quran loud around them to disturb them. And obviously, you don't walk in front of them. Right? So the question they asked the Sheikh is, can, should we respect this person who's making salah in this place? So the Sheikh says, if he's making salah in a place where he's not supposed to be making salah, it's not a designated area for salah, then there's no respect given to him. There's no respect given to him because of he is inappropriate. He says, even if he's on the mataf, even if he's on the mataf, he's making salah there, there's no respect given to him. Now again, we have to understand this relevantly. Let's say it's full. Tawaf is full. And you go make salah You can't expect people to walk around you. You can't expect people to. The person in tawaf coming and he must walk around you. You know? That is a place for tawaf. A mataf is a place for tawaf, not salah. Are you with me? If it's an empty time, like now, if you look at watch TV now, you see the tawaf is nice and small. And around that is a lot of place for people to sit, relax and make salah. Alhamdulillah, no problem. But if it's full, the tawaf takes. Right? Um, again, it actually happened to me. As I'm saying this now, I'm getting some memories here. It was tarawih one night and I'm standing on the mataf and I'm making salah. It wasn't that full even. And, uh, and a security came and he, he chucked me out. He literally moved me away and I was like, it's not even full. But his point was, mataf. So technically, I know a right to be angry at him because he's doing his duty by clearing the mataf. Because he also knew what's going to happen. The mataf is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. We don't, need, we don't have time to clear this out later. We need to move now. So I have to make salah somewhere else. So technically, I wanted to be on the mataf, so I'm close to the Kaaba, etc. You know? But he had every right to move me. Because that's a place for tawaf. If it's empty and you make salah, then fine. They give you, they, they allow you. But in this case, there's no, there's no hurma for the one making salah. No respect given to him. You can move him if you must. You can walk in front of him if you must. Understand? This is an important thing to understand, especially I think in the Haram. Especially in Mecca. Especially in, in Mecca. So, even in Jumu'ah, if the mosque is full, somebody's making salah in the doorway. He makes his sunnah in the doorway. People need to get out. There's no respect given to him. You can push him over, walk him out the way. Not saying hurt him, but you can move him. Take him outside and say, look brother, you can't make salah Rather go make salah at home. Make salah in the road if you must. You know, out of the arms way, make salah in the pavement, but you don't make salah That's qari'atu tariq. That's a busy pathway. You don't make salah Um So that's, whether we say it's weak or not, it should be acted upon. It makes complete sense. Right? Tayyib. The fourth point in the hadith is the hammam, which we spoke about. The bathroom or the washroom or the toilet. The sixth point in the hadith is ma'atinul ibl, the resting places of camels. I, I, I think I did touch on this before, maybe in Kitab al-Tahara. Um, but the resting places of a camel, it's not permissible to make salah in. It's not permissible to make salah therein. Um, reasons for that is also not befitting. They come there, they rest there, they urinate there, they, you know, it's not a, uh, necessarily a place of salah. Right? The camels come in and out. Um, and so forth. And also, the other part, there's another hadith that mentions that the, sh- that the, that the, the camels have been created um, like, like from shaitan. They've got something rebellious and disobedient within them. This is what the hadith says, right? Um, so it should not be done because it's a place where shaitan frequents. The resting place of a camel is a place where Shaitan frequents, and this is why some ulama say, this is the wisdom behind the ruling. Some ulama say, we don't know why. But we accept it because it's hadith, Allah knows best. Point number seven is, فَوْقَ ظَهْرِ بَيْتِ اللَّهِ On top of the house of Allah. On top of the house of Allah, which is in this case refers to the Kaaba. 
to make salah on top of the Kaaba, the hadith says is not permissible. Although Ibn Uthaymin says it's completely permissible. Because the hadith is weak. We do not accept that. And there is nothing that prevents us from making salah on top of the, the Kaaba. Because if you make salah on top of the Kaaba, whichever direction you face, you're facing a part of the Kaaba. You understand? The same with making salah inside the Kaaba. What's the ruling? You make salah inside the Kaaba, you can face any direction because you are facing a part of the Kaaba. So there's no problem in that, no harm in that. Um, and Allah knows best. So, just to summarize, the issue of the maqbara is clear. The issue of the hammam is clear. The issue of the toilets and those type of places is clear. The issue of the masbala, which is the garbage dump, we said is best that we don't make salati. Even if some people say it's permissible because the hadith is weak, this is not befitting. Don't make salati. Right? The majzara, slaughtering area, most likely going to be najis. Also not befitting. We try to avoid making salah. We try to um, avoid making salah there. Maqbara is clear. Qari'atul tariq we said is um, clear. Don't make salah in a busy pathway. Right? A, a road or a pathway where it's not so busy? No problem. You're not inconveniencing anybody else? No harm in that. No sin in that. Um, Allah knows best. Right? But keep in mind inconveniencing others. You can keep in mind the safety of yourself and others. If this is not a problem, inshallah, there's no harm in making salah in those places. Number five, the hammam, we said it's clear. Number six, the place of the camels should be avoided. Number seven, on top of the house of Allah, no problem in making salah there. Um, and Allah knows best. Right? So these places, you know, even if you argue and say, technically the salah is sahih there, we still say it should be avoided because of the wisdom behind these the rulings. You understand? Avoid them for, your, for the safety of your salah and out of respect to Allah Azza wa Jal. We should avoid Mekhsara um, in these areas. Um, last hadith is from Abu Martha al-Ghanawi radiallahu anhu. He said, Sami'tu Rasulullah sallallahu yaqul la tusallu ila al-qubur wa la tajlisu alayha rawahu muslim. The hadith says, do not pray in the direction of the graves. Do not pray in the direction of the graves and do not sit upon the, the graves. Okay, again the issue of the graves come up in another hadith, hadith of Sahih Muslim. But this one is a bit different. It doesn't speak about the maqbara. It says, don't pray in the direction of... So you cannot pray facing a qabr. You cannot pray facing a qabr. So if it's a maqbara, haram. Whether the qabr is in front of you, behind you. If you are praying in the direction of a, of a qabr, also haram. What's the wisdom? Clearly, shirk. You pray in the direction of a qabr, this could lead to major shirk, and Allah knows best. Um, and do not sit upon a grave. And why is this? Out of respect for the mayit. Out of respect for the mayit. So from the one angle, the Prophet ﷺ is saying, don't be an extremist by praying towards the grave. Huh? But at the same time, have respect for the grave. Have respect for the grave and don't go and sit on the grave. You see the balance here. The one angle, you've got to respect the qabr. Revere, don't revere, but respect the qabr. But at the same time, you can't worship the qabr. You can't make salah to the qabr. You understand? Uh, and that's something important. This is the ummatun wasata. The balanced, balanced nation, balanced nation um, of Islam. Some of the benefits of the Hadith Ibn Uthaymin mentioned is we see the misguidance of some of the people in Masjid al-Nabawi who go and they strive to sit where? They strive to make salah behind the grave of the Prophet so that they are facing his house and so that they are facing his qabr. You understand? This is why some people go sit there especially. That's where they want to make salah. We see them as guidance of these people. So firstly, what people don't know is the cover is there and there are walls built around the cover. There are walls built around the cover. So technically speaking, the cover is separated. Huh? Separated. And therefore, you're not technically reaching the Prophet. You understand? So secondly, what about the salah of these people? Even though the walls are there, 
Why? Because of the niyyah. Because of the intention is to make it. They are directly going to raise the hadith about making in the direction of the grave. If you found yourself there in the haram, in that spot, and you're making the direction of the graves, no problem. Because your niyyah was not to face the graves. Huh? And also the graves are separated. So there's no problem in this. But if your niyyah was purposed, I'm going to sit here so I can face the qabr, your salah is batil. And you could even be falling into major shirk. You could even be falling into major shirk. And Allah knows best. The second point of the hadith is sitting on the grave which is haram. In fact, we say it's a major sin. It's a major sin. Because another hadith says, for, you, for one of you to sit on a live coal, huh, that will burn your thawb, burn your clothing, and reach your skin. Burns right through your clothing into your skin. Is better for you than to sit on a grave. It's better for you than to sit on a grave. This is the seriousness of sitting on a on a grave. So walking on the grave. Look, if you, if it's considered this accident, is accident. You know, you're not punished for any accident. You can't avoid it. You're excused. You didn't see the grave there, like some of the you know maqbaras are built like that. It's overlapping, and you that's something different. You know, you try and tiptoe around it. It's something different. But to go and sit on the grave purposefully, not permissible. Stepping over, inshallah it's okay. Inshallah it's okay. I think we have to also look customarily what's considered disrespectful and what's not considered disrespectful. So if it's considered as disrespectful to be jumping and walking over the graves, we should avoid it. If it's considered okay, then it's okay. Right? So what we should do is we try to stick to the pathways. We try our best to stick to the pathways. Like I said, sometimes it becomes difficult because the graves are built on top of each other. Uh, and, and it's difficult, you know, to get to a certain point. So people are left with no choice but to walk over, you know, or to tiptoe around the grave. In that case, inshallah, you're excused. Either now we are excused because we're trying our best. Feel Allah as much as we can. Huh? But to purposely walk directly over, to sit, to sit next to the grave and to sit on another person's grave, this is not permissible. Uh, avoid is better. Avoid is better. It shouldn't even be a wall, in fact. It shouldn't even be a wall, in fact. That's another different issue altogether. The rulings on the grave, what's permissible, what's not permissible. Um, but that's for another time, and Allah knows best. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu ala ilaha 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 